0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Talk Story, the Hawaiian Airlines pilot podcast. I'm Mike Davis, your Hawaiian Communications Committee Chair. This podcast marks our first episode following the historic merger announcement with Alaska Airlines. In light of that announcement, we've assembled an all-star panel of guests to help us talk through the details of the merger. We have our Hawaiian MEC Chair, Captain Larry Payne, calling in on a rare day from home for him these days. We also have in the MEC offices with me, Negotiating Committee member and recent Joint Negotiating Committee appointee, Captain Rob Willoughby, as well as Merger Committee Chair Captain Eric Thorstad. Thanks to you all for sparing a few minutes from your ongoing work to join us today. Larry, let's start with you. I know you've been hustling nonstop since the merger was announced December 3rd. What have the last few weeks been like from an MEC perspective?
1: Yeah, thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. And to Rob and Eric, thanks for joining us. Um, Man, it's been a uh... It's been a crazy few weeks, uh, let me tell you. Uh, The MEC for its part in this has been busy building its team that we're gonna use through this entire process for the next 12 to 18 months. And that includes building our resources, uh, our attorneys, our joint negotiating committee, uh, the merger committee, making sure that everybody on that side is up to speed and spooled up for this and they're doing their part uh, by getting their chips in place for this. And we're talking to all the experts that, that are involved in this. Obviously, talking to those that have done this before us as well. There's some good resources out there from folks that have been through this before us who have a lot of valuable resources to offer, so we're talking to them. And, you know, I guess first and foremost in this, we as the MEC have been busy evaluating the merits of this merger and the impact that it's going to have on our pilots. And we've been busy also getting to know our Alaska counterparts. I I've had the fortune of working with Will, the MEC chairman of Alaska, and his team uh, for the last few years. Uh, Great guys, a very good working relationship with them. We, shortly after this was announced, came up. uh, We brought uh, some of our folks, Rob and Eric, were there, and we met with them at their offices here in Seattle and kind of huddled together and wrapped our heads around this, and we uh, fielded some questions from them, and they were gracious enough to field some questions from us, so... Uh, we got that out of the way, the uh, proverbial introductions, and we've also been answering questions from the pilot group. I mean, the questions keep coming in hard and fast. Rob has been an all-star in that department, so thank you, Rob. You know, there's a lot that we still don't know with this merger. Uh, we're, as I said, busy gathering information, so unfortunately, a lot of the questions that the pilots have, we just don't have concrete answers for those. But as time goes on, we will get those. And um, so we're just gathering all that intel. You've been doing a great job with that, putting comms out uh, relative to the questions pilots have. And we'll continue to field questions as the information comes in and and, um, and hopefully get back to the pilots in a timely fashion.
0: Absolutely. And just to add to that on the topic of timely fashion, our DART turnaround time is almost always the same day, usually less than a few hours. So To the pilots, please keep sending in those questions and we'll get you answers as quickly as we can. So, Larry, before we bring Rob and Eric in to explain more about the merger process, what would you say are big picture, the most important things for our pilots to keep in mind about this merger?
1: Yeah, you know, the 30,000 foot overview of this, Mike, as far as the merger goes, I think I'll touch on a couple of points. First and foremost, one of the things I'm proudest of with our pilot group is their ability to maintain their professionalism. I'm, I'm, constantly encouraged by the professionalism that our pilots show on a daily basis in doing their jobs. And I think while this is going on, I just want to encourage them to continue to maintain their professionalism through this. It's, there's a lot of distractions with this, and I understand that, but I think that's one of the merits that we have as a Hawaiian pilot group. So I want to you know harp on the fact that I want to maintain our professionalism. Uh, and with that comes continuing to do your job safely. Maintain safety, uh, at all costs out there to the extent you can. Be safe. Um, and, you know, if you feel like you're overwhelmed or you're, you're you know, you, this is a burden for you or you're not feeling well or you don't feel fit to fly, you know, don't go fly. Um, call in sick. Call whatever resources you need to use. Um, as I said, if you're burdened or overwhelmed or feel sick about this, and I know this is a big deal for a lot of people, it's massive. For, for some of our employees. And to that extent, I want to encourage people to use the resources that we have at ALPA. Uh, Pilot Peer Support is a great one. If you need somebody to talk to, don't feel uh, you know ashamed or, or reluctant to reach out to them and chat with them. They're a great resource that we have. And I know they've been talking to a lot of people through this and they'll continue to talk to a lot of people through this. Um, listen, this is a marathon, it's not a sprint. Um, it's going to take some time. The timeline I think that Peter's been telling people is the 12 to 18 to 24 month range. I would concur with that. I, there is an outside chance it could be quicker, although very unlikely. Um, I think we just need to recognize that it's going to be a long process and there's a lot of work to do during that time it, you know, a year and a half seems like a long time. But when you're doing this, trust me, it's not. There is a ton of work to get done in that year and a half. Um, And as I said in my intro, we're going to be busy continuing to build on the relationships we have with the Alaska pilots. We have strategic planning uh, planned in January uh, as well. From January 17th to 19th, uh, the Hawaiian MEC will be traveling up to the Alaska Airlines MEC offices in Seattle to have our first joint MEC meeting with them. And, again, I preach this all the time, but uh, it's your wheelhouse, Mike. Uh, Continue to read all your communications. Um, The only resource for valid information is the MEC communications. There's a lot of misinformation uh, out there about this. Uh, Social media, they laugh at me because I think social media is kind of the bane of our existence, but uh, unfortunately it is what it is, but I wouldn't take anything you read on social media as fact. uh, If you want the facts, continue to read the communications from the MEC because that's really the most factual information you can get. So I'd like to make implore people to continue to read their communications when they come out from us whenever they can.
0: Excellent. Thanks, Larry. Okay, let's move on now to the actual merger process. Rob, can you help give us an overview of all the steps that need to be taken before a merger is completed? I sure can, Mike. Yeah, the, the
2: process, as Larry just reiterated, is uh, it's a marathon, this isn't a sprint. So just going through the kind of a broad overview of how the process works. So um, after the merger announcement date, which was de- December 3rd for us, the, uh, the MEC had their first meeting earlier this month since that merger announcement date and they appointed uh, the Joint Negotiating Committee for Hawaiian Airlines. So we'll, we'll talk through that a little bit later on in the podcast, but that was the first step that we've taken thus far, was appointing our Joint Negotiating Committee. The next step, and one of the most important, is going to be the strategic planning. So again, Larry talked uh, and touched on the joint MEC meeting that will occur in Seattle next month in January. So. Um, That's going to be real important to get the strategic planning from both MECs because we have to come together and jointly negotiate this new contract together. Um, So once the MECs have conducted their strategic planning, then, of course, we'll have some polling and surveying of the entire pilot group so the MEC can highlight the desires of the combined group and uh, set the Joint Negotiating Committee off to do the JCBA. Um, Of course, we also have the shareholder approval vote. So this will occur in February, and this is where anyone that holds Hawaiian Airlines stock will get to vote on whether they wish to approve the merger or not. So once that's approved, then the process will continue. The DOJ will continue to look into the merger and their willingness to approve it. Um, And while that is happening, the Joint Negotiating Committee will be tasked by the MECs to negotiate a TPA. and The TPA is a transition and process agreement, which we'll get into that a little bit later as well, what all that includes. But that allows the two airlines to operate independently while the DOJ is doing their due diligence on the merger and outlines the, the steps that the two parties are going to take as far as negotiating the JCBA and the seniority list integration. So eventually the DOJ will either approve the merger or require some type of uh, further steps. As we've seen in JetBlue and Spirit, they're actually suing to block the merger. Now the analysts and experts are not uh, expecting the DOJ to to put up much of a fight in our merger with Alaska and Hawaiian, but we have seen that happen in the past. And again, uh, once the MECs have their strategic plan, We'll, uh, we'll be tasked as the JNC to negotiate the joint collective bargaining agreement. So that'll be the contract that the combined pilot group will work under once the merger is complete. And once we have that JCBA, the next step in the process is for Eric and his committee to uh, negotiate the seniority list integration, the SLI. So historically, that is... Uh, Starts with negotiations, ends up with mediation to decide, but I'll let Eric talk into that more later. Last couple steps we have is the merging of the two MECs and eventually the single operating certificate. So the two airlines will combine on one FAA approved uh, operating certificate.
0: Obviously, there's a lot that needs to happen before we get to that finish line. I know Larry had said earlier, the company and management is projecting 12 to 18 months for that to take place. That really is only to get us to that merger transaction date. Even beyond that, we still have the JCBA to negotiate and SLI. This process could take multiple years to get through. But historically, how long do mergers like this take before we become one pilot group under one seniority list?
2: Yeah, exactly, Mike. As you said, it, it is a long process, and uh, the executives have said 12 to 18 months just for uh, the initial DOJ approval of the merger. Um, and as we just outlined, there's all these other steps that have to take place with negotiating the joint collective bargaining agreement, the seniority list integration. Um, so we, we've seen varying times throughout uh, history when we look at the mergers that have gone on, but... Um, Most recently, Alaska and Virgin America took roughly two years from the merger announcement date until they had a single operating certificate. I mean, the shortest that I I have researched is the Delta-Northwest merger, which was actually done in uh, just about eight months from the announcement until the seniority list integration and a combined carrier, but that's pretty atypical, and the executives there were incentivizing the deal to be done really, really quickly. So on the other end of that spectrum, you have JetBlue and Spirit who are 13 months past the uh, merger announcement date or dealing with the DOJ trying to block the merger, and they still have yet to even uh, start negotiations on a, a TPA or a, a joint collective bargaining agreement yet. So it's 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 definitely a marathon. It's going to be a, you know a year, two years, three years probably before this thing is all done.
0: Okay. Well, it sounds like the timeline is pretty fluid based on when the DOJ approval comes or doesn't come. Let's move past the timeline and start talking about the merger process. In terms of that process, maybe the biggest component that it's important for our pilots to be familiar with is ALPA merger policy. Can you talk for a minute about ALPA merger policy and how it applies to this process?
2: Sure. Since both carriers are uh, represented by ALPA, we are required to use the ALPA merger policy. So that is outlined in section 45 of the ALPA administration manual. And uh, I mean, it's really the checklist of what we do and how we do it, being ALPA carriers, to um, come together and, and merge the two companies into one. So it starts with, you know, the requiring of naming the Joint Negotiating Committee and then the steps to negotiate the joint collective bargaining agreement. It also gets into very specific details on how to merge the seniority lists and what must be taken into account, which we've, we've talked on, and Eric will we'll speak to here in a few minutes as well, and uh, the, eventually the merging of the two MECs. And it gives uh, you know, specific timelines and processes and exactly how this is all
0: supposed to happen. Okay, sounds good, Rob. So for Hawaiian pilots, except for those of us that have been through a merger already at a previous carrier, most of our pilots are not familiar with the process and haven't been through a merger before. So let's walk through the process step by step. Rob, you already talked about the first phase being appointing a JNC. So you did just get appointed to that Joint Negotiating Committee. Can you tell us who's going to be serving with you on that committee?
2: I was, yeah. So the Joint Negotiating Committee, as outlined in the uh, ALPA Merger Policy is a six-person committee with three members from Hawaiian and three members from Alaska. So uh, earlier this month, the MEC named myself, Doug Grant, and Ethan Pearson Pomerantz as the three pilots from the Hawaiian Airlines to serve on the Joint Negotiating Committee. And uh, at a later date, Alaska MEC will name their three members as well.
0: All right. Well, we're thankful that we've got you representing us, Rob. After the JNC is established, both the JNC and the MECs begin to look towards JCBA negotiations. Larry, right now we're less than a year removed from finishing our last Section 6 PWA negotiations. Any of our pilots that were on property for that probably have some idea of what to expect from a normal contract negotiation. What should pilots expect from the JCBA negotiations relative to that normal Section 6 bargaining cycle?
1: Yeah, you know, um, I think the important thing to remember here, Mike, is that the JCBA negotiation is just the same as a Section 6 negotiation is uh, in that it's driven by the pilot group. Um, We're going to be putting out a lot of information on the JCBA process when we get to that point uh, and a lot of resources for the pilots to uh, study and use to understand what the benefits are and what resources are in each of our contracts. That is our Hawaiian contract and the Alaska Airlines contract. The pilots will obviously still get to give their input and this is a question that we've been answering quite a bit. Uh, I see it come up at darts quite a bit. Um, they'll get to give their input through just like in Section 6 surveys and polling um, and the data that comes out of those that polling and those surveys will be the data that we use to lead our de- decision-making on what direction we give the JNC. In the case of a, a JCBA negotiation, unlike Section 6, there's two MECs collaborating to make the decisions on what to pursue in the joint contract. And at the end of that process, each MEC, that is our Hawaiian MEC and the Alaska MEC has to sign off on the deal. And when we do sign off on the deal and have a tentative agreement or a TA, that TA will be put out to the entire combined pilot group. So instead of putting it out to our 1200 pilot group, it'll have to go out to our 1200 pilot group and their 3500 pilot group. So you'd have effectively 4600 pilots, 4700 pilots voting on that new uh, contract or TA uh, to be ratified. So that's kind of the difference on that. I hope that sums it up for you in a nutshell.
0: So Rob, the onus is then on the JNC to be working through and getting us to that point where we have a JCBA to be voted on for the MECs and the collective pilot group. So what's happening on your end before you actually get to the negotiating table for those JCBA negotiations?
2: Yeah, Mike. So obviously there's a lot of work that um, has to go into this and has already gone into this. And one of the big things is just preparation and, and researching. So, as you mentioned, you know, I, I myself have never been through a merger, although my, my old man went through four, so I lived it growing up, but, you know, really trying to delve into Section 45 and understand the merger policy and doing a lot of research on reading past arbitration awards from previous mergers just to uh, kind of get an idea of what has occurred historically, um, so we have a good baseline of, you know, answers for the pilot groups as these starts come in. I can at least speak to, to what has occurred in the past. In addition, of course, we're doing contract analysis. So, you know, we're really digging into Alaska's contract to see and compare the, the differences and the similarities that uh, their contract has with our PWA, um, as well as industry comparison. So, you know, Southwest just got a new TA this week. So I've been digging into their executive summary and, and seeing how, how that compares to what everyone else has. And ultimately here, with guidance from the MEC, we're going to need to negotiate the TPA, which I mentioned before is the transition process agreement. So this is really a a checklist or a roadmap, if you will, of what the process is going to look like. And so the two MECs can come together on a timeline, and as a backstop, the merger policy in Section 45, you know, has a, a timeline as well if the MECs can't agree. But... The TPA lays out the timeline of when JCBA negotiations will occur, where they will occur, how many sessions there will be. Um, you know, ultimately, if if we can't come to an agreement, um, when and where mediation will occur to uh, to help that process go smoothly. And of course, the big one that everyone is always concerned about is the seniority list integration process. So the TPA will lay out the Guidelines for that, where Eric and his his crew will be negotiating uh, with the Alaska counterparts on that. And again, it, it has the backstop of eventual mediation if required and arbitration if required for the seniority list. TPA also has you know a bunch of other things in there as far as uh, financials, who's going to be paying for things. Um, historically, we've seen you know some fragmentation and furlough language in there, such that. Uh, you know, one airline can't furlough their pilots while this process is going on and, you know, grow the other side. So that uh, while this is occurring, the, the company has to honor both agreements and it's kind of a, a status quo until the, the merger has been fully completed.
0: Excellent. Thanks, Rob. So, Larry, to you for a second. One thing I've heard you stress and which I've heard from other pilots that have been through mergers in the past is the importance of unity. And that's both unity within our own pilot group as well as unity with our colleagues at Alaska. So why is unity important for us?
1: Yeah, thanks, Mike. Listen, I, I think the cornerstone of what we do is to have unity with each other. I mean, that's the whole reason to be a part of a, a labor union is the unity behind and the power behind the unity of the union. In a process like this, it's important because you know, as you said, we just finished a Section 6 negotiation cycle with our with our own company, and we were very unified in that process, and as such, we were able to get a industry standard contract that maintained that from the beginning. Now we're entering into another negotiation cycle with another airline, and again, we're going to need the pilots to be unified, um, as well as unified with the Alaska Airlines pilots. I, I said it at the LEC meeting. I said it at the holiday party. I keep saying things over and over again but i'll i'll say it here pilots need to start thinking of this as not being part of a 1200 pilot group but part of a 4600 pilot group and we are only so strong as those 4600 pilots are all together no matter what your thought is on this merger we need to maintain unity because in the negotiated the jcba if that company if the company if the air group sees a crack in the fault line within the pilot groups and believe me They're going to try to put cracks in the fault lines. They will try to insert that, I promise you. They will leverage that uh, as much as they can. And it's only our unity with our brothers and sisters at Alaska Airlines that's going to get us uh, an industry-leading contract, which is ultimately what the goal is. I mean, Rob uh, touched earlier on Southwest Airlines, just got a new TA. I've read some of the executive summary of that. It's pretty impressive. And we're going to need unity within our ranks and with the Alaska pilots to, to once again, leapfrog uh, them and get an industry-leading contract. So start thinking about being unified with your brothers and sisters in Alaska. It's imperative that we have that unity.
0: So let's say we stand united together. Rob and his team do a phenomenal job, get us a great new JCBA. The MECs both approve it. goes to that vote of the combined pilot group like you had talked about, Larry and then everybody approves and we've got a new JCBA. Once you've got that, we still have this extra piece left, which is we have to go through a seniority list integration so that we've got one pilot group under that one contract. So now we get to Eric's area of expertise. We've got a new contract at this point, but we're still two pilot groups. Eric, you're the chair of our merger committee. What is the merger committee and how does the seniority list integration process work?
3: Yeah, Mike, we're a standing MEC committee entrusted with negotiating the integration of seniority lists in case of a merger. We basically just are in reserve until something like this happens. In reality, probably be better labeled the uh, SLI committee, especially since much of the merger's heavy lifting will already have been done by Rob and his team on the JNC before our turn even comes. When it does, uh, the committee meets directly with Alaska's merger committee, we negotiate how best to feather the two lists together. Alpha section 45 is a process manual for that. But the important piece of it being that the fair and equitable end state. Mediation and arbitration can be additional tools to reach that goal, but we're entering the metaphorical arranged marriage. And the more consensus and control we can build and maintain, the better off we'll all be.
0: So reading through ALPA merger policy, it says there are certain items that have to be given consideration when creating that eventual combined seniority list. It mentions specifically seat and category, career expectations, and longevity. Can you explain what those three primary factors are that the merger committees have to weigh when making a merge list?
3: Yeah, those three pillars outlined in section 45 are key. And those are the inclusions but they also define the exclusions that arbitrators histo- historically have had to factor into decisions. For example, relative seniority is not a factor and was actively excluded by the arbitrator in the last Alaska merger. So going through them, longevity is time as a pilot at the airline. It's sweat equity. There's adjustments and corrections to it, but in calculating it you can also think of it as a collective measurement rather than an individual one and i'll talk more about that in a minute seat and category straightforward to calculate less so to weigh and integrate seat is captain or fo category is narrow body or wide body with variations if additional categories are negotiated career expectations less clearly defined Uh, there are conglomeration of factors like pay rates aircraft types airline viability, time to upgrade, etc.
0: Obviously, we've got quite a few very senior pilots here that have a lot of longevity, but have preferred for their own reasons to be holding first officer positions. You've said seat is a factor in the merged list, and I know we've gotten a lot of questions from them. Does that mean those pilots could be moved down an eventual seniority list just by virtue of being FOs instead
3: of captains? Bottom line up front, no. Your seat choices will not affect your position relative to Hawaiian pilots and will probably have negligible effect on your position in an integrated list. And that's why I refer to longevity as a collective measurement. So think about this. If you look at Alaska's Virgin merger, uh, Alaska had a mature seniority list, 80 years in business, uh, hiring consistently. Virgin had less than a decade in existence, and in short, The arbitrator respected that sweat equity of the Alaska pilots and weighted the integration accordingly. And I will say while these choices won't affect where you land in an integrated list, they will determine what you're flying when the actual merger happens. So it's been said before, bid what you want and want what you bid because that's where you'll be when the uh, seniority lists are actively and finally integrated. Excellent. Thanks, Eric. That's really good advice.
0: So on the integration, we've received a lot of darts concerning fences. Can you give us some background on what fences are and what they typically protect?
3: Sure. Um, And in this case, because of how different our fleets are, there's certainly a potential for fences. And basically, it's a word that um, is used when you shelter Largely unique, wide-body flying, but not always. Ultimately, their primary purpose has always been to protect or maintain the career expectations of pilot groups. And if they're the correct tool to utilize in this case, we'll use them. Thanks, Eric. So let's wrap this up with some final thoughts. Eric,
0: let's start with you. What would be your message to pilots as they think about this merger process overall?
3: Focus on the JCBA. Simply put, it significantly outweighs the SLI in determining your quality of life and career choices. And it's counterintuitive to all of us, and I absolutely don't mean to minimize the experience of Hawaiian pilots that have participated in some ugly mergers at other carriers. But while our say in the business deal is limited, our unified voice in the contract negotiations is powerful.
0: Really appreciate it, Eric. Next, Rob, I'll turn the floor over to you. Is there anything you'd like to add about the merger or the process in general?
2: Yeah, I would just love to to echo what Eric had just said. And, uh, you know, a lot of the darts and questions and concerns we've been getting are about the, the SLI, the seniority list integration process. But, you know, that one's still far off down the road. And uh, ultimately, you know, as line pilots, we don't have any any say in what happens with that, you know. Um, but right now, what we can do is be unified, come together and, um, you know, negotiate the best joint collective bargaining agreement we can with the Alaska Air Group. So that's what's going to, you know, impact all of us the most
0: on a day to day life as line pilots. Thanks, Rob. And last but not least, our esteemed MEC chair, Larry Payne. Larry, what would you like pilots to take away from today's conversation?
1: Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Eric. Yeah, listen, uh, it's, you know, great to think back uh, and reminisce on the fact that Hawaiian Airlines has been able to stand on its own for 94 years. Uh, And, you know, little fact, Hawaiian was the only airline to survive deregulation uh, without merging with somebody else. So 94 years as a standalone carrier is pretty darn impressive, something to be really proud of. Um, Having said that, Unfortunately, the downside in this this industry is that uh, consolidation and mergers um, and acquisitions is just part of the industry we work in. And in this case, it's touched us. And we're turning a new page here at Hawaiian Airlines, uh, and we got a long road ahead in this process. And as both Eric said and Rob said and I said earlier, what I'd like to stress is that the pilot group remains unified. The SLI process is going to be what it's going to be we need to focus on the JCBA. The JCBA is the most important part of this merger process because it is going to be what changes the lives of Hawaiian Airlines pilots. And the only way we're going to get a real strong JCBA is to be unified. So again, I stress, please uh, be unified with each other, be unified with our Alaska brothers and sisters. And if we are, we will prevail at the end. I truly believe that.
0: Thanks, Larry. All right, that will do it for this episode of Talk Story. Thanks to everyone who has taken the time to listen, and thanks to our panel for the great information and insight. For our Hawaiian pilots, I'd encourage you all to make sure you're subscribed to our MEC emails, where we're rolling out as many resources as possible to help provide information and context on the merger. And as always, if you have a question, please throw us a dart, which Rob continues to spend every waking hour answering as diligently as humanly possible. Thanks again, everyone, and please stay subscribed to this feed for our next episode of Talk Story. Mahalo.